Hello and welcome to another episode of A Need to Read, you absolute legends. My name's Ed and I'm the host and today I've got Dan Osman on the show for you. Dan is someone I've followed on Instagram for a while and quite frankly I just like what he posts so I thought I'd bring him on. He's a health coach from the UK and he seems to do quite a little bit more than health coaching but that's what he said that I'm allowed to call him. So I hope you enjoy the conversation with him today. We chat about social media, uh, people's relationship with diet and exercise and themselves and self-awareness which seems to be Dan's area of expertise. So it's a really good conversation. I think you'll get a lot from it. Now should you like this podcast and you like me and you want to support the show, please consider doing one of the following things. You can either share it with a friend or you can make a one-off donation to me via a buy me a coffee, which they say it's buy me a coffee, but I won't buy a coffee with that. I don't know what I'll buy, but it probably won't be coffee. But what I will do with any money that comes my way is appreciate it. So that's one other thing you can do. Another thing is you can engage with the sponsors of the show. Now, I'm very fortunate to have BetterHelp support a need to read. BetterHelp provide a therapy service to millions of people all over the world. And you could be one of them next. You never know. Are you thinking about therapy? Is your mental health taking a downturn? You think maybe chatting to a professional is the right thing to do? Well, let me give you a push in the right direction because therapy has been one of the most positive things I've ever done for my mental health and starting that journey is something you know I kind of wish I'd done sooner because there were a few times where I went to therapy and then actually ended up backing out so if you don't want to be like me you want to get nip it in the bud ASAP you could be chatting with a therapist within 48 hours you'll be matched with a therapist once you've completed the application so head to BetterHelp dot com forward slash need to read get 10% off automatically included in that and you match with a therapist within 48 hours I'm really not joking when I say it's one of the best things I've ever done I think you'll benefit from it greatly if you decide that that's what you want to do but whilst you're thinking about that here is the podcast I did with Dan I hope you enjoy it Dan Osman welcome to a need to read thank you very much for for agreeing to come on mate Oh, amazing. Thank you for having me. As I said, incredibly honoured you would invite me on. It's good to get an opportunity and talk to... I know we, like, we have spoken from yeah. the time. I know that we are still afar, but still this feels a little bit more intimate, if intimate is the, is the correct use of the word there. I think so. I think so. We're going from Instagram friends to intimate friends, right? Real quick. <laughs> I know I know you like BJJ as well, so intimacy with not necessarily your, your regular sexually desirable other. Is yeah. fine as well. Yeah, perfect. Um, so you are a coach, um, which is it's a vague way to put it, right? What what type of coach are you, Dan? What what is it you do? I think vagueness is is a good way to cover it because I've been through the loops of which I find now, especially in the fitness space, is everyone is very quick to become specialised and niche. Mm. I feel like I've done the generalist specialist over the years. Then almost come back round to being a bit more of a generalist. Okay. Because my, my undergrad was was in sport. I went into predominantly exercise and, and fitness focus, I guess. Mm. So soon realizing I didn't know much about that. To focus a little bit more in the performance world. I worked with athletes for a large degree of, of my career as well. Realized I didn't know much about nutrition. Went on to do a postgrad in performance nutrition to just finding my way here in some shape or form to realizing actually all optimals aside and everything I've chosen to specialize in doesn't really matter if you don't come to understand the real humanistic elements of what that 
makes people tick essentially mm. and understanding them on a foundational level their their needs their understanding of themselves how they think and feel about themselves because that's really what it is i think a lot of people that have come to me over the years for changing the shape of the way their body really is it's changing the way they feel about themselves mm. and often whilst they might immerse themselves in the pursuit of changing that body or pursuing a certain performance goal if the mindset if that isn't too much of a wanky phrase as it kind of has been a bit elitist it has been bastardized a little bit um more from like a neuroplasticity point of view is we will have these embedded beliefs in the way we think about ourselves which are pre-consciousness almost they they start when we're teeny tiny our societal views of what how we should fit into the world what success looks like what wealth looks like what a happy amazingly bodied person looks like but it's really to do with what we think about ourselves mm. and that is very vague cover of of me i did i describe myself as like a health coach mongrel of sorts because <laughs> it's so varied i really can't i can't tell anyone what i do these days i just somehow managed to to make a living and working with lots of people and, and getting to know them on, on a foundational level i think yeah it sounds sounds like you're smashing it then good to just turn up not have a particular title chat to people sort them out well i think titles is again one of those societal constructs isn't it it's more about status and elevating to yourself to a level which no one else really cares about apart from you but then that's not really our fault either because society tells us we should have a a a title you know we should be able to define distinctly what we do we should be able to define what success looks like and all these other things as well yeah and and lots of people in in your industry would be like right i am a person who coaches 33 year old mums who don't like maltesers and only eat carrots <laughs> it's like people really like niche themselves down this tiny little avenue and yeah. um, because like, i guess that's like the advice people see it's like right if you haven't got a niche you're fucking useless <laughs> yeah yeah and you know why i think foundationally we're, we're more alike than we are dissimilar Mm. On, on a human level, like a basic yeah, yeah. Human, human wanting to be seen, understood, and um, be validated in some shape or form. I mm. think that's some, in some way why many people, especially in this space, as someone else that does broadcast as well, is almost like we, we overvalue speaking at the cost of listening sometimes because essentially we just want to be seen, we want to be heard, we want to be understood, love me, want me, need me. And I think that's just that's the foundation of a lot of the things we pursue. Yeah. Okay. So your, your coaching doesn't have like a a specific space, but the, the relationship with yourself, relationship with food, um, relationship with exercise, we'll we'll start with the relationship, uh, with yourself. Is there a lot of people who are coming to you with negative relationships themselves? I think so. I think so. Even if it's not, um, from an awareness standpoint, I think you can gather that once you have a few conversations with people because we have a lot in the fitness space, I guess, of where we we confuse almost avoidance with enlightenment and that a lot of the people that aspire to be like certain others that seemingly have all the time in the world to exercise, to focus on their nutrition. I'm obviously not psychoanalyzing everyone, but I think when we look at foundational coping mechanisms for a lot of people and we saw a lot of this over the pandemic actually Mm. for the first time a lot of individuals speaking about their mental health and and things like that it was very much a foundational component of how they maintain that equilibrium of their mental health was removed from them yeah so when we 
you know, we all have our means of self-soothing coping, especially sometimes for some people that's, that, that's food. For some people that might be addictive behaviors, whatever that may be. I think for a lot of people it is they're in the pursuit of changing that body shape because they're clinging on to some sort of identity or they're in the pursuit of some sort of identity because they feel that might serve them on a, on a deeper level. And, and that is on a subconscious level sometimes, I think. Mm. That, again, from a self-reflective point of view, when people over the pandemic, they felt like, oh, geez, like exercise was a real crutch for me. Like I, this is obviously something a bit more deep rooted that all of a sudden purpose went out the window, all sort of daily fulfillment went out the window. The, the likes on the ground, those little dopamine spikes went out the window. Like what, what can I do? And uh, there was a lot of people I spoke to publicly and, and probably more in private as well. Um, but that's glorified. That's that. That's an aspect of the fitness space we, we glorify, and I think we're in enablers to a certain degree with that as well. Yeah, I, I spoke to Dr. Mike the other day. I spoke to Mike, and I was saying that maybe our obsession with becoming more handsome is is going to come back to bite us on on the ass. Because as you're saying, like when that's taken away from someone, that whole purpose, that whole goal that they're aiming towards is ripped away and and like then what are you going to do and hmm. that's so, it, for everyone at some point doesn't it you know we're led to believe that the healthy happy look a certain way and that we should aspire to be a certain way but what when you're in your deathbed oh i had millions of followers and i was so beautiful and you know there's got to be more to life than that yeah i, I, I think I, I i tap into how shallow that like world can make you and and it's not necessarily something that people consciously head into as like shallow people. It's just when there is so much focus on the aesthetic side of things, of course you're going to get obsessed with it because you, you're going to get like positive feedback from people for it because people are also really focused on what bodies look like, right? It's that social reinforcement, isn't it? And I mm. guess that's possibly one of my gripes with body transformation as, as by the way someone that has done body transformations with people over the years and it doesn't matter how we've tried to remarket that in telling the story of that individual and it's the other facets of life that have improved as well is yeah that on some level there is this social reinforcement that this person miserable unhappy look at the black and white picture looking really sad and then look mental health has improved their physical health has improved single digit body fat level but that's only really scratching the surface and i find with body image especially is is when you get people get almost closer to that perfect version of themselves that body idea what they've had in their head mm. but that their actual thoughts and feelings about themselves hasn't changed so they're now in this almost self-imposed prison in which mm. they feel they have to look a certain way to be happy but that that's what's getting them all the accolade the external praise and now they're in this loop of oh i just rely on external validation and what, what do i do with this how do i maintain it and yeah i think we share some of the same beliefs about social media and how it taps into i don't think we have a conscious awareness of how damaging that that is at the moment but perhaps mm. in years but will it be too late by then oh definitely dan definitely of course it will. It's always going to be too late. All, all of these things that come out and then someone's going to worry about it. And then 10 years down the line, we can sit there and be like, told you so. <laughs> Crying, <laughs> Everyone loves that guy. <laughs> yeah. um, you've obviously, you've been in the space for a while. What do you think people should be focusing on? Or not should be focusing on, but what's a healthier thing to focus on then when it comes to exercise slash lifestyle behavior change, stuff like that? 
the thought process I like to take people through is, is always, are, are these actions imprisoning me or empowering me? You know, are they societally led in that I'm doing this because I believe based on other people's opinion I should be, you know, and I, perhaps more widely spoken about now, or at least within our echo chamber, I think is things like personal values is you mm. ask most people what their values are. Or, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I value a good beer at the weekend, like something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't pe- think people necessarily think about these things when they embark on changing their body, but then if you're in the pursuit of a body extreme and nothing that you're doing at that time aligns with any of your personal values, then it's a short-term fix. And then they're just in this perpetual cycle of rinse and repeat. Yeah. So it almost takes a level of self-awareness to become more self-aware, but then arguably for a lot of people, becoming too self-aware is an issue in all of itself. Yeah, it really is. Like, because that can also be um, an imprisoning kind of a thing. It's like when you're too aware and when you're always aware, you yeah. kind of forget how to just live a normal life. Like you kind of miss that autopilot life um, that you maybe once were in. <laughs> And you perhaps wish that you could just be a little bit more shallow. And that's something personally I've experienced, I think, sometimes. Yeah. I find that sort of maybe similar. I don't want to speak for anyone else, but if you've been on a bit of a personal development journey and you've gone through things like therapy and a little bit of introspection, you've done a bit of journaling, you've had all those really uncomfortable conversations with yourself. Yeah. You almost go through a period of being a bit of a nihilist. Oh, I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> so I dip in and out of it, but rarely am I the, am the optimist at the end of the spectrum. But there's there's definitely it was associated being between between uh, being too self aware. But then I think most people are not even operating on a level of awareness at all. So it's only whether mm. you have those conversations. And I don't want to say I'm last resort, like I'm the only person that does this kind of work with people. But yeah. I find the people that come to me are people that have spent. 30 plus years in this perpetual cycle of, well, I don't really change the way I think about myself. My confidence is still rock bottom, even though I have been that 5% body fat individual along the way on the stage. I have done the photo shoot. I've done all these things, but I I still, you know, I can't have uncomfortable conversations with people. What's that about? I'm a bit of an empath. Are you an empath or do you have just problems with boundaries? Like (laughs) these other things that are associated with it which don't, don't sound all that sexy because they're not tangible. They're not this person lost this many kilos or look at this person with their kit off and yeah so like changing something that's actually really helpful forever doesn't sell really it doesn't and um i, I admittedly it's, it, i don't profess to offer anyone business advice in this space because my whole angle is just i guess trying to be the best coach you can possibly be and sometimes that yeah. means enhancing people's life firstly some people just don't want you to share their story like yeah. I have some people that have just said that you know i really want to work with you but i don't really want stuff documented on, on social media i don't get too much of that these days because that's not how mm. i work anyway i would have thought anyone looks at my, my profile and stuff that's not how i work with people but you know when people want to do it for themselves uh, i think that's the first step of self-awareness because that they potentially realize that the external validation they've relied on in the past didn't particularly mm. positively serve them. Yeah, for sure. I'm and just going back to that as well. Pardon? We're all guilty of that as well, right? Yeah. If external oh. validation, you know, makes me makes me feel good about myself. Yeah. I think I might be one of the only people who isn't like that as I actually hate it. I, it makes I, me feel uncomfortable. Oh God, it's disgusting. And <laughs> I think it's because like when I first started the podcast, 
I got so much of it. I was like, if I let this, if I let this in, <laughs> I am going to be insufferable. Uh, so anytime someone's really nice to me, I'm like, yeah, cool, thanks. Doesn't really matter what you think, though. <laughs> yeah, that, um, that's a really healthy. But that way. could speak to my issues. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's to the point. Is I, I guess from an awareness standpoint, is that you're aware that I, I do think that stuff can corrupt you. You can let that stuff mm. go. Yeah, I've seen that go to people's heads. Yeah, they get a bit insta famous, and it, you know, clearly they change as an individual. But is it, or is it from a place where you genuinely have problem with accepting compliments, and where does that come from? Yeah. Well, who knows? <laughs> you know, I know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Gonna, <laughs> this isn't a therapy session. I'm not going to make. Fuck. <laughs> Damn it, Dan. <laughs> um. So right. So go back to the values. How, how would people work out their values then? If someone's currently thinking, right, well, yeah, I do value going out on the weekend. And you're saying, well, that's not really a value. What would then be a, a, a value for someone? And how could they work that out? I think um, giving them examples list, like you get, you know, that there's many available online if, and troops of activities that people go through. I think for me, working with people, it starts on a conversational level and almost, I like conversation. I think it gives you the opportunity to explore certain avenues, but also, and I don't know whether you've found this with journaling, especially mm -hmm. is there's a naturally and understandably guarded aspect of people. Yeah. And I have this idea that almost to be vulnerable with someone, you need a certain amount of vulnerability reflected at you, which yeah. for professional standards point is you can't be entirely vulnerable with someone. It's just mm -hmm. not appropriate. So it might be that I, you know, a task of these are some examples of values. What would you associate? How would you define some of these? Can you pick fine five for me? Can you redefine that as possibly three of the most important? Yeah. And if it is something like health, family, love, for example, and they want to drop 10 kilos in eight weeks, then it might be that just having, again, just an open conversation from an informed standpoint is these are the things that you're possibly going to have to do to attain that. Do you, you could do that, but do you really want to? Yeah. And I think sometimes by asking those questions of people, it, it prompts them to ask themselves really, because not when I ask those questions, I don't really need to know that. It's just that from my professional standpoint, this is what you would need to do from an yeah. ethical standpoint, from a human standpoint, from what you tell me about you and your values and what you, you think is super important in life, you can get to that goal, but I just, I don't think it's going to stick. And I will have those yeah. conversations with people. I'm more than happy to have those conversations with people because I'm a big believer in if, if people invest in you for a service, it's, it's a service that they're getting, not just a prescriptive list of instructions. So sounds really cheesy and cliche, but I think coaching over the years for me has moved away from giving people the answers and just asking better questions. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if like, if people have like a basic understanding of values, I find often they're not really the values that they actually have. It might be like something like discipline or e-commerce. <laughs> <laughs> That's a troubled individual. <laughs> What's one of the personal values? E-commerce. Um, but it's like it's, it's society has, has prescribed these values for people. It's like, this is what's going to get me to be successful. So like, these are my values. Even though deep down, every time they say that, they're just like, liar, you're not telling the truth. You're not telling the truth. It must be tough to get people from that zone into being vulnerable. And I think, like you said, like leading with vulnerability, God, it helps. The amount of conversations I have with like friends or family members who are like either 
struggling with their mental health and I'm there trying to avoid giving them philosophy to blow their brains out. It's, uh, I can't remember where I was going with that. No, lost it. Everyone who's listening, I, I, I'm jet lagged. So <laughs> that's, that's not an excuse. Yeah, I, I, I can gauge where you're going. I think yeah, yeah. we were saying about being vulnerable with others. It's, it's, um, is sharing your experiences, but also not invalidating theirs at the same mm-hmm. time. Like, there's nothing, I think there's nothing worse than when someone's, they're kind of teetering on the edge of opening up for the first time. Yep, yeah, I've done that. You should have heard about when I experienced that. And they just, those individuals make it all about themselves. Yeah. It's the equivalent, I feel, you know, when people, someone, someone buys a, a homeless person a sandwich and they take a snap of themselves. It's, yeah. I'm doing something have nice. A great, have a great day. Oh my God, <laughs> love it. <laughs> exactly. It's, um, it totally validates that person. And if, if that was their first experience of opening up, that certainly means they possibly wouldn't open up to you. Yeah. Uh, and I find that just to just uh, someone who's, I feel kind of passionate about the mental health spaces, but also I say the mental health space is I'm more than, more than happy to have a conversation to people with uh, mental illness and, you know, mm-hmm. what I've experienced myself over the years because everyone loves happy, clappy, let's meditate, let's do the ice plunge, let's re- read stoic quotes. And I think we share that love for stoic quotes written yeah. by privileged white guys yeah. uh, regurgitated to people on the internet about swallowing the frog and making up the hardest part of your day when some people can't afford to pay the bill or some people are struggling to get out of bed. And yeah, that's like, real struggle. Yeah. Like the, the real hardest part of someone's day, it's not like the bit where you just get up and choose to go outside and sit in a cold bath. Um, that, that, yeah. And that is the, the eat the frog. And yeah, I just think that like most, if, a lot of things in my space, especially it just become very elitist. Yeah. Even, you know, like discipline, if, discipline on a foundational level is just making yourself do the hard thing or the thing that you don't even really want to do when you don't want to do it. That's what it is essentially, but it's not getting up at 4am doing a nice plunge, reading your philosophy book on the beach, neglecting your family for three hours while you do your morning routine, which seems to be the fashionable thing apparently. Yeah. And that's so fucked. Can you imagine that? Like when your kids like at someone's, the kid at the dad's funeral, let's take that as the example, like reading the eulogy. So yeah, everyone loved him. He did used to get up three hours early every single day to make sure that he was uh, fit and healthy, which is good. You know, we added at least about six months to his life. (laughs) That is my fondest memory of my dad constantly attached to his phone. Yeah. Never being, never being there. He can that, put up uh, good stories. <laughs> yeah, his Instagram though he had loads of followers. You should have seen. That's, I guess, that's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. That whole narrative around self care, and that this is you know, similar to the work that I do with people. Is I'm more than happy for people to own a narrative that is the truth, but when they regurgitate it as something that is not. So, like the self care narrative, for example, is yeah. take care of yourself so you can take care of others. Look, if you're disappearing for three hours in the morning to do your morning routine, that is less to do with anyone else. That is you looking after you, which there's some truth in that. Like everyone is worthy of care and the love that they would give other people, but just own that. Just say you need to do that for you. Don't tell everyone that you're doing that so you can look after other people. That's not true. Yeah. Oh, it's such a like a a veil of of bullshit. Deceit. Really. Yeah, yeah, it's not very nice. It's not a nice thing to do. Fit on us um, otherwise. And, so, and you, mental health and, and self-care and stuff like that, that, as time has gone on, 
I have realized that it's actually not that much to do with self-care. It's not much to do with you getting three minutes in an ice bath. It's not much to do with how, how much journaling. There's so much that comes from society or your like living situation that impacts people's mental health that just isn't really spoken about mm. online. No one's like, Hey, you've just had a breakup. Your life's going to be shit for like two months or like someone's just died. You're going to grieve for a long time. Uh, it doesn't really matter how many times you get in the bath. Things are still going to be shit. You can't sell that is the annoying thing. So it's like I, the reason I, I actually invited you on is because you just seem for want of a better word, sensible. Oh, thank you. It's like you, you, your your approach is not it's not full of shit. Mm. Um, I, I try not to make it. Be, like, don't get don't get me wrong. Like everyone, I think I miss the mark sometimes, but mm. often find from falling on my face and having those removed conversations. Even when I started as a PT, like you know, when you're, I did a lot of voluntary work with athletes at that time at my uni, and I was doing PT hours, and you go from working with a super adherent to someone that has literally dragged themselves to the gym that night to my, not being able to wrap my head around it and probably saying, I can't remember, but probably incre saying incredibly insensitive things. And then mm. I see stuff online now, which I know the P word is often thrown around, but it can only come from a place of privilege mm. in which, you know, if, if you're lecturing people on organic this, organic that, but then due to socioeconomic constraints, there are some people that literally having to choose between putting food on the table, going to a food bank or putting 10 pound on an electricity voucher for their flat, you know, yeah. is there, there is such a disparity between what people are experiencing. I think that was evident throughout the pandemic actually is you had people that seemingly had more time than ever, the ability to save more money than ever. Okay. They had the, the huge inconvenience of being at home, but if you're from a quite a socioeconomically deprived background you've got no access to outdoor space you've got yeah. no access to like healthy food as such and you've one of your parents or your only parent has lost their job that's that's real strife that's real struggle mm. you know and this is part of the self-awareness thing when you have awareness around what's going on in the world as as well is i, I get turned off by a lot of stuff that i see in the fitness space because i just don't see it's helpful yeah i like what just, just that again. Just that general messaging around. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, whether people should worry about buying certain organic produce. For example. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, nothing screams to to me more privileged or even. Uh, I don't want to say on the broadest capacity because I do. You know, the the world is heading down the pan. In, if we're looking at existential risk. Here and, we go. Wonderful for everyone to buy an electric car, but. Do you know how expensive electric cars are? They're expensive. They yeah. Expensive. If we're looking at plant-based and, you know, switching to switching our food choices, there is mm. a cost attached. You know, there's a cost attached to all of these, what seem like morally superior choices, but there's just a dose of reality that we need in which, you know, people are responding. Oh, not even responding. People are reacting to a really volatile world at the moment. Yeah. And I think you did a post about this the other day about how, whilst the world is going mad, maybe reaching for exercise as a control point could, could lead you not into danger as such, but to a mindset that is unhealthy. Is that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's that, that avoidance with enlightenment thing. Again, it's almost mm -hmm. the, the burying head in your, in the sand, like reaching for the, the thing that I can control when everything else feels uncontrollable. Yeah. For a lot of people and, you know, especially 
people that I've worked with over the years that work in the relation with food is strict control which restraints around their food and leaving out Tupperware and you know weighing everything to the gram and all there's there's an extra two grams of rice in there I'll flick that out and really stressing about those kind of things it's an easy way to distract yourself from the border problems in life I think yeah and I think like any any coping strategy tool it is essentially just the tool it should be something that we should be able to get out put away when we need to um and like emotional eating is a bad rep for example but it's only really a problem that's your your sole means of coping so if your sole yep. means of coping with distress is reverting back to exercise controlling your food masturbating yourself into oblivion spending your your mortgage you know all of these these behaviors that we fall onto nothing distinctly wrong with doing those in bits and pieces you know each their own but i think when it's you only have one way of of soothing yourself one way of coping one way of distracting and avoiding the other problems in life i think that can become an issue for anyone yeah definitely and it's it's like the extreme diets that you see coming out like a well, carnivore i don't know how many people are actually doing it but it's one of those controls people yeah. going vegan i've seen um i think i've seen like amelia talking about it before going vegan just for the control side of it yeah yeah it's just a almost orthorexia that's have you, uh, are you familiar with orthorexia no no it's, um this it's not actually a diagnosable eating disorder but this emphasis on what we've seen over the years around clean eating and you mm. know in lactose removing dairy removing re and it gets more and more refined it often starts with people that are going low carb then they yeah. hear about going low fat and then it ends up being something like vegan or or ketogenic veganism is is an extreme that people go to. What the hell is that? How do they do that? <laughs> I, I very very restrictive. I mean, going keto is restrictive enough. And doing that whilst vegan without betraying your strict keto policy, I don't quite know how people manage that. But some people do. Yeah, and it is it's about seeking control. I think for a lot of people. People do um, all sorts of crazy But things. within that as well, I think identity becomes an issue, is that they become so closely aligned with that identity is that they're then that self-fulfilling prophecy in which they're, they're tied in and imprisoned to that identity. Yeah. I think we see this when doctors go a bit activist. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I'll say this, like anti-diet doctors, for example, yeah. is once you, you dip your toe in the realms of activism, you're no longer really an impartial party. You're not. Yeah. You're not evidence based. You're not being objective because there's such an emotive tie to that. Yeah. And they're like so on a new team. Well, yeah. You track the. I don't want to say the word. You track the the pendulum swing of of the most extremes within that. Yeah, and they'll they'll get an audience. They'll get people who follow them as well, right? Because people want those extremes. They yeah. like they want to be told that. It's just so simple. You can fix it with your diet. <laughs> well, no one likes the grey, do they? No one likes nuance. No one likes the, okay, for for some, dieting is problematic and it's probably the last thing they could do. For some, it could change their lives and actually that's the one thing limiting them for living a more mm. fuller life at the moment. Well, that's not definitive. That's not sexy. That's not a yes or no. no. But that's also Instagram and there's that whole performative side of it as well. Yeah. They become their persona. Yeah, they become the mask. Because persona is what, like Latin for mask, wasn't it? Oh, I didn't know Who that. Knows? Who knows? Maybe I've, maybe I've uh, educated hey, that. that up, I'm taking it. I think, I, think it's, I think it's real. I think persona is Latin for, see what, I can Google it right now. Uh, 
whilst we're live. But yeah, people definitely um, get wrapped up in it. I don't know. Have you ever found yourself being wrapped up in the persona of Dan Osman online? Like, did you ever struggle with that at any stage or? I wouldn't necessarily say the persona, I guess there was a phase where I'm not even going to say competitively, but more of a, I was more of like a bodybuilding or aesthetic show participant. Yeah. And I did have a lot of identity locked up in that. That was, that was my, my social circle, if you like. And a lot of what I can now recognize as possibly disordered behaviors were quite normalized. Like it was, mm. it's normal to eat all your food out of Tupperware, four day old chicken, you know, perfectly weighed to the gram and soggy broccoli. That's, you know, smells disgusting mm. and to open that up on the train well i'm i'm fine mate you're the ones with the problem yeah let's locked into that for a little while so moving away from that i, th- I feel like any sort of identity there's almost like a mourning process yeah almost people that uh, grief to a certain extent like people that want to drag you back there and it's, it's from a pure place but people that would say oh when's your next photo shoot or when's your next show and oh does that mean i i need to work out and i think that did affect mm. my body image and things especially from a male perspective uh, going through yeah. the industry and male body image then is that quite quite an issue i'd imagine it is i i don't really lift weights or go to the gym i just do jiu-jitsu because i like to uh get obsessed with things you like to chunk people to death break limbs. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. And like, I, I avoid the gym because I, I might get obsessed with it. Mm. And there's, there's a very good chance of that. But it seems lots of there are some big guys walking around, basically, Dan. And they're only getting bigger. Is that an issue? Do they like? Are they healthy? On, I, I think just you look at more of the data now, and more is coming out to do with men. All the previous data was much to do with men in make weight sports like jiu-jitsu yeah. or and most of it revolve around collegiate wrestling because that's, that's, you know, yeah. that's a big thing in, in America. But I think you, you look over, like, without question, by the way, ladies listening, this isn't a whataboutism. Women have been subjected to horrendous body ideals and body image standards for centuries. You know, mm. I think the first corset goes back to the 16th century. Oh, really? And it was referred to as the two bodies because these things, they go in and they must be what? 12 inches round at the middle, you know, you look at, yeah, the, these women that must have experienced horrible things going through that, but it's, I don't want to say evolved, but it's changed much over the years. So like 16th century to kind of more easily recognized like nineties, like the zero model, Kate Moss kind of thing yeah. to more voluptuous BBL Kardashian to more body acceptance movement is changed. So yeah. these impossible standards, the body standards for women are constantly changing. And I, I imagine that's incredibly stressful to keep up with. Yeah. Along with uh, women kind of be, being brought up to almost be objectified. Yeah. Like their sole purpose is to be viewed as object. Whereas for men, it tends to be more from a functionality and what your body's capable of standpoint i think that taps in to a lot more of the deep-rooted masculinity aspects of protector provider well that's got to be a jack that's got to be someone that can fight off a bear or 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 something like that so if you look at like david's um no david who who actually carved david michelangelo Mm. and leonardo's um vitruvian man the guy with like eight limbs they were fairly jacked, fairly lean. And if you look historically, 
men have just got more and more jacked and bigger and leaner. And you look at our superheroes, they are more jacked. Yeah. But the culture of enablers that we all are is we kind of want them to be that way as well. I grew up, I was a, I was a comic book geek growing up. I wanted all my superheroes to be jacked. So I can you look a little bit like Superman, you know, um, could be said. Thanks. <laughs> I didn't know how to respond to that. So we just moved past it. Yes. <laughs> but the enablers that we are, we, we, we want our superheroes to be more jacked, but we, we still kind of acknowledge the problematic aspects of that as well. Yeah. So there's a lack of transparency in terms of what it takes to get there. So whilst Chris Hemsworth, The Rock, well, they will have their apps, they will have their workouts. Is, there are some details they're missing out. Oh, what? Like steroids, maybe? No. No, definitely not them. Definitely not. <laughs> it, it isn't about, for me, that isn't about judgment. I think it, it's just, because uh, I think it goes the other way. There's too much transparency in that space. We see people now sharing compounds and dosages of what they take. Yes. Which ethically doesn't matter how much you caveat that with, this is what I do. This isn't recommended for anyone else. There is a teenager out there going, I'm going to go do that. Yeah. And when it comes to using their bodies to sell certain platforms, so Chris Hemsworth, I'm sure he's a lovely guy, but he's selling apps with hit workouts and band works and kettlebells. And Thor didn't get his body doing kettlebells yeah. and band workouts. Did he not? You sure? I'm pretty. Chris I'm, Hemsworth I'm, says he does. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, okay, you know Chris, Chris Hemsworth, he, he tells the truth. He's pretty jacked. He's got to be a truth teller. <laughs> He's Thor. How could he lie? Um, and I, do, you know, I, I do understand this. I don't want this to be a hip, um, don't want to be a hypocrite in this, in which that, hmm. you know, if I was put in their shoes and offered multi yeah, yeah. pounds, this is your food delivered to you every day. Don't eat anything outside of that. This is your trainer. We're going to give you a doctor to co- closely regulate everything that you put into your body and you need to do this. Would I say no? I'm not going to say no. Yeah. And you get paid probably a pretty, a pretty wedge as well for that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And historically you get, you go down uh, back, uh, going back a few years now, but I, I often had a cup. I say often, I had a good handful of people that come to me and said, I want to like Wolverine. I'm like, what from the first X-Men or from the Wolverine movies? Cause they're two different bodies. Yeah. I don't know whether you've ever looked at the two. If you look at Hugh Jackman in the first X-Men movie, when he's a younger man with arguably all the hormonal profiles you would need to put on lean muscle to being a much older man who doesn't have the hormones or wouldn't have the hormones, he looks quite different. Yeah, and I remember back in the days when like men's health would be like, look like Wolverine. Here's your eight-part workout to look exactly like Hugh Jackman. Here's your bicep workout. Four biceps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just four bicep curls. And then you just got to go to a little sprint up a hill and you'll be just fine. It's like the 300 workout yeah. back in the day. And they're like, this is how all of these guys looked like Greek gods. Mm-hmm. And it only takes 300 reps. You can do it every day. Just buy more magazines from us or more protein. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then you look at the flip side of that as well. And I think when you look at how everyone outside of that is portrayed in films like the, for want of a better phrase, like the fat guy, the one that never gets the girl or the geeky one. Yeah. They always look a certain way as well. So I do think there is a, a huge amount of pressure on guys to look a certain way as well. Um, mm. I don't know whether you've experienced any pressure to, to fit into a certain box or look a certain way. So I used to be pretty wham when I was like 18. 
So this is almost 10 years ago now. And that's like just before I joined the Marines. So I was super fit, super strong. So I peaked at 18. And there's no way on earth that I'll ever get back to that point. So I'm not that bothered about like reaching peak performance myself because I set the bar so high. And I like that could be a good mindset, could be a bad mindset. I don't know, but it it stops me from getting obsessed with going to the gym or obsessing over what my body looks like. But I also, just as a caveat, like that was a good time to put a load of muscle on 18. It's kind of stayed underneath everything. Um, so I haven't, in my mind, I look like what society would want me to look like anyway. And that's through no fault of my own, really. Um, it's just, I'm quite lucky to have had that. My athletic experience when I was younger has led me to having quite an athletic physique. So I don't have to, not that people who don't look like have to be concerned about it, but they would be more likely to, if you know what I mean. Um, so not really. Okay. That's okay. Cool. I always think like with body image anyway, it's more like a volume switch in that like anything, you've got extreme ends and you've got the feeling a bit insecure, feeling like a bit skinny mm. or like, a, you know, feeling a bit fat and like, a, I don't want to put those swim trunks and go to the beach today to the, the extreme end with body dysmorphic order disorder where mm. people are, they can't be intimate with their partner or, you know, they can't leave the house. That's not just body. That's like aspects of appearance as well. I think yeah. you know, it affects them. So there's always a, I think a switch and probably what the body positivity movement is a bit guilty of is this unrealistic expectation that you should love your body every single day, every moment of it, which just no one feels that way. Everyone feels insecure about something about themselves at some point. It's just whether you let that get in the way of doing stuff. And for some people, it really does their, affect their ability to live a life. Yeah. And it, the body positivity movement got hijacked by skinny, pretty ladies at one point. And it was just like, hey, fat girls, I also feel like shit about my body. It's like, what's the, what's the person at home who's looking at that going to think, God, if you, you are thinking bad stuff about yourself, like what am I meant to think? Because they're so obsessed with the aesthetic side of it. But the, the twisting and contorting their body to like pinch a, a tiny little thing. <laughs> I'm just like you. Yeah. I'm but, almost there, guys. <laughs> but they're part of that. Uh, what we, we started talking about on identity and, you know, performing for an audience is that I think a lot of those which I've seen have come through like the aesthetics route. So I've gone through the, I'm going to do this from an empowerment point of view, change my body, going down the aesthetics route, becoming a prisoner of that. Oh, I get lots of attention for looking this way, disappearing and then coming back as part of the body positivity movement. But yes, the, the vehicle of, of promotion, I guess, or the means of communicating with people, reminding them they're much more of that than their bodies is their body. So naturally it always revolves around their body. And that is how a lot of them have built their followings. And would you say that's like a self objectification thing? Cause you were saying something about objectification earlier. And I guess when people talk about their bodies solely using images of their bodies, mm. it's like commodif commodifying the flesh vessel. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I definitely think there's a lot to be said for that. And if you're looking into social cultural theory and self-objectification theory, it does mainly revolve around women and that. Again, that women are brought up to largely be reduced, not my opinion, but on a societal level as fertility, how they look as objects and their function as 
and sex things. That's not just to caveat everything I've said. That's not my my standpoint at all. But that's largely what societally they've been told growing up. So within fitness, especially, we're almost contributing to our own pain by objectifying ourselves. And get, guys are just as guilty of that. You know, yeah. guys that every video is a guy training with his top off in the gym. Guys objectify themselves as well. So it's one of those things we we acknowledge the problematic aspects of self-objectification and that it makes the message revolve around just the body. Yeah. But we all applaud it. We all give it likes. We all give it shares. I think that is one of the most peculiar things about the online space that, that I find is I probably actively avoid putting stuff about like my, my face or my body. Cause like I could wipe my top off and get higher engagement, but I feel like it's a slippery slope. Yeah. I feel like it's a, well, next time I'm going to have to look the exact same or, or better. Because as soon as you start like leveraging that part of you, that's what's in the limelight. Because people know. It's only Dan's. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. People know that a little bit of nudity sells. Yeah. I think there's just a general, so what is the self-objectification, the over-sexualization of everything as well? Yeah. Which, look, I'm not, I'm not prude by any means, but yeah, yeah. so I think people are well in the knowledge, even if they play naive to it, they know the game they're playing there. So not even just objectifying themselves, but the overly using sexual innu- innuendos or being overly provocative or mm. like each, each their own. I think, again, it's just one of those things, acknowledge it, own it, don't play coy to it. You know? Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, don't do the superiority thing. I'm above that. And then reduce yourself to that. Yes. Okay. I get that. Cause I sometimes worry that I might be Jordan Peterson when I think about stuff like that. <laughs> and I really don't want to be, I don't want to be no, like, I'm not, just, I'm not just referring to yeah. men, men as well. So that oh, doesn't, I'm, that's mean, what I'm saying. I'm glad that you think it too, because it's like, yeah. sometimes I, I feel, Oh my God, am I just this like closet conservative um, who just wants a nuclear family and no one to be sexually liberated when of course that's not actually the case. But I, I, I will look at someone doing something and of course I'm judging people. I'm a human. I can't help that. Um, and I'm like, God, is that what you want to be doing? Uh, Cause like, I think people see through it. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you, and I think judgment gets a bad rep, but on a primitive level, that is our assessment of threat, mm. essentially. Okay, threats look slightly different these days, but when we acknowledge these things, I don't think we need to be, we don't, it doesn't need to be from a, a negative judgment point of view. It's just acknowledgement and acceptance of what is. So if you want yeah. to do that, cool, just, just own it, I think. Let's mm. not um, highlight the ills of it and then play the superiority card and that's beneath me but actually have you seen my ass cheeks yeah yeah yeah. or what's in between them but only just a little bit of it (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly and you know i don't think that's uh an offensive thing to say no the way of it is is i think there's just a much to do with body image i think there's just what's quite terrifying i think especially having a daughter is Almost like this, I don't want to take this anywhere too soon, mm. the sexualization of younger girls as well. Yeah. I think if you're, if they are subjected to social media, and I think I'm a bit older than you, but you would have existed before social media as well. Yeah. Is, I mean, my, my six-year-old, they do little crop tops now. They do little bikinis for them. They do. I do worry about what they'll be exposed to on social media. And 
how much older, younger girls want to appear and quicker yes. and for potentially the wrong reasons. And when I say wrong reasons, it's the the external val- validation and the eyes, basically, just the attention for the wrong reasons, which I think back to self and what we originally started talking about is when, when we're trying to cultivate a, a better relationship with self is, is yeah. recognizing there are many other facets to ourselves. Yeah. How kind you are, how thoughtful, how considerate that you care about other, other things in the world. It doesn't just revolve around you. It's, um, I, I have concerns about just narcissists roaming the earth, which arguably they already do. I don't know. Yeah. I think I worry about that as well. It's, uh, there are a lot of narcissists roaming around the world, or, or like they're just they're just underneath narcissists. We like we couldn't give them a firm diagnosis, but they they display those kind of traits yeah. and leave people broken in their path, and and it is dangerous. Like, have, that, you, have you ever read anything on vulnerable narcissists? No. So it's it's slightly different to like the adverse commanding narcissists that we, we're probably all a bit more familiar with, but is not too indifferent to some levels of imposter syndrome in this overly concerned manner in which they're a bit fragile. Everything has to revolve around them. If it doesn't revolve around them, I mean, that's not yeah. dissimilar to a lot on social media. Yeah. Okay. So it's but more anyone, of like, look at my issues. Yeah. yeah they can make their own judgment, but it's more like of a, here are my issues. Feel sorry for me. It has to be about me. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I do that sometimes. The self-development that, that that's, you know, elements of all of us creep into that. Yeah, definitely. And that, and I would say like, because a lot of my, like the sponsors of this podcast, the therapy um, company, I've spoken about therapy loads and podcasts, spoken about mental health um, quite a bit, but I, I worry that that could be seen as like, Oh God, we'll you shut the fuck up about that because how many how many times can i tell my story or like how how many times can i bang on about it but i mean i think the intent is it's a difficult one to assess for other people but from a self-reflexive point of view as long as i like to think because i i'm quite open about things like that as Mm. well is i share that stuff because i think it will help others as well more than it just Mm. being a cathartic release because again it's that that uh vulnerability thing isn't it? you need a bit of vulnerability reflected back so if you're on the internet chiming in about, no, my inbox is always open hands. Oh, but God. We, all we know about you is that you do workouts. Yeah. You follow your macros, you eat up top of web box. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm definitely not going to you. Yeah. <laughs> my I, darkest hour. I actually think that those people who are like, oh, my inbox is always open. It's like, no, please don't keep your inbox open because you are going to give some people some shitty advice. Mm. Like, you probably have no idea about how to actually communicate with people. So, Keep your inbox closed. <laughs> Do the world a favor, please. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think I saw you post something about this on like mental health day. It's like there's no compassion for anyone at any other time of the year until mental health day comes around. And it's like, guys, I am participating. Look at me being good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the new social currency though, isn't it? It's the being seen to be a certain way rather than just embodying it and being that way. Because I think yeah. we do have this, for all of our faults as humans, all of us as deeply flawed humans, we do have a pretty good bullshit detector. I think on 
if you follow someone for long I enough, I think you... you might personally, but I think there are lots of people out there who don't. <laughs> well, I think, I think if you know, if, if you have an interest in humans and mm. their needs and wants, and you follow them on stories or you see the stuff that they put out and you do read their stuff, you do get a, a little bit of an inkling into who they are. So, yeah, when something's out of character, you, you just get a feeling for it. Yeah. It's like, and oh, think... the best day of my, the best day always starts with. A monster energy drink hashtag ad <laughs> like yeah exactly yeah and you know, is it's a difficult world to comment on in that because again from a judgmental perspective people have aspirations on just being influencers that is i don't know about credible but that is a very likely career for some people in which yeah i don't know whether you know how much they get but some people get paid like 20 grand for a couple of grid posts yeah they will make a living from being influencers so as much as we knock them some of them are doing all right, but there's got to be someone to bestow, bestow that power on them. People don't just claim power. People no. have to give them that power. And that's all of us. We're all part of the problem. Yeah, that is so true. I do. I do try my best not to like get into celebrity culture and like, like all their, their photos. And that has to be a kind of a conscious choice because you know the world is fucking chaos. Like it is quite good to see what this random celebrity is doing. That's actually better than what you're doing because it's a bit of an escape you can imagine what your life might be like if if you did that um but yeah i i have my own opinions on 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 how much like influencers make uh how much they do to make that money it's 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 odd i don't think it's ethical but like i also don't think big bankers are ethical there's plenty of people who earn plenty of money in unethical ways um arguably more that do or more that don't i don't know yeah yeah. yeah i think the the more money you earn it's more likely that you have acquired that in unethical ways or somewhere along the line of you getting that money there have been some nefarious activities to generate that that wealth um and that's stepping aside from instagram that's more of like people in like large businesses or corporations um and it sucks because when you have a an opinion on that that's like not supportive you're instantly a hater and you don't want to be a hater do you dan well yeah exactly so people just don't say anything at all and i think yeah. that, that's part of the enabling culture is but i think especially when we talk about body image when we talk mm. about especially in my space i don't know how where you are how much is on your radar but like fitness mentoring as well is like how much of that is marketed unethically yeah i think but then i know of individuals that and this goes from people that have done body transformations, invested in coaches or invested in mentoring that for for the sake of professionalism and not wanting to appear a hater, they don't say anything at all. But then Mm. these people that are already on pedestals continue to operate in which in the way that they do. So it it just means more people get ripped off. So I I get why people are caught up. And I know I've listened to a couple of episodes of yours more than a couple i've listened to lots of episodes of yours but more recently i listened to the notorious drg yeah. big fan and emma and emma and amelia's one and i noticed you were talking about a certain individual and certain individuals within this space that and that's a prime example of it that have been yeah. publicly accused of certain things that's been supported but then you could take an objective view of their behavior and certain things and still have that opinion of them, but people choose not to say anything. For example, yeah. you know. it's, it doesn't it have to be overtly 
stamping your feet. It doesn't have to be going on to your stories and slamming people, but I definitely think there's a case of voting with your feet. It's yeah. associating with people that aren't, because if you're a personal brand as well, you're, you know, you're, you're misrepresenting yourself. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and you don't want to do that, especially like when you are a personal brand, it matters so much because it's, it is like, it's part of your identity. It's tied, tied up into you. And that's probably a problem in itself. Yeah. I think it's part of you as a person. Though. Like if you mm. consider yourself, I like to consider you a good human. <laughs> I'd like to consider myself as a good human. And um, if you, if you do want to be considered a good human, as you just think there's a, a moral compass that you abide by anyway, like forget the, the business marketing side, forget the personal brand side, mm. just the, as a personal belief system and the values that I have and the morals I like to abide by. That's something I don't really want to be part of. And I, I want that to be known as well. I don't want to associate myself with that because I don't yeah. agree with it. Helps you sleep at night, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I know people don't necessarily think the same way, but they don't have to agree. That's the no. wonderful thing about being human. Just, we don't have to agree on everything. doesn't mean we have to fall out on everything either. Yeah. It's a shame that that's the case though. wish everyone could be right like me. <laughs> i wish you could i'm just think like me <laughs> yeah it would be amazing um right well i'm conscious of the chat that is flown Dan. i really enjoyed that or it's flown yeah me too um where can people find you should they want to want to know a little bit more the gram with with the the most forgettable instagram handle ever hindsight i always regret this one i have to repeat it it's the dot dan dot osman it's not just dan osman it is the, the Dan. Dan <laughs> there's, there's not that many Dan Osmonds, actually. There was only one other. Well, there's one famous, not one other. There's only one famous Dan Osmond, and he was a very well-known rock climber. Oh, was he passed away? Well, part, yeah. Yeah, okay. Did he die rock climbing? Yeah. Whoa. I, I mean, probably would have wanted to. You can still YouTube videos of him, and yeah. he's pretty impressive, yeah. But he's not the Dan Osmond, so we'll forget about him. No, yeah, cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much, Dan. That was unreal. It's really good to chat to you. Yeah, thank um, you. Definitely. I really enjoyed it. Did you enjoy that? Did you? I hope you did. I really enjoyed chatting to Dan, and I'll look forward to having him back on the podcast one day. Now, just a little brief update for you all. I'm still in Colombia, I believe, or I should be uh, at time of recording this. I'll be back on the 15th of December. And that's when the podcast coming back. But in between this date today, whenever you're listening to this, and the 15th of December, there's going to be nothing. But then I'm back with a lot of solo episodes. So I look forward to... Well, I look forward to you listening to me soon, if I'm being completely honest, guys. And hopefully you enjoy it. That is it from me. If you like it, share it. If you want to go to the sponsors, there's stuff in the description. You're all heroes to me. Love you, bye.